Welcome to Unlimited Horizons, a podcast hosted by the International Association of Women. I'm your host and the president of IAW, Megan Bizzuto. This show features amazing women from the IAW community who are climbing the corporate ladder and taking their communities with them. Are you ready to be inspired? Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to Unlimited Horizons by the International Association of Women. My name is Megan Mazzuto, the president here at IAW, and each week on this podcast, I get to speak with our amazing influencer members about what they're doing, what they're up to, but also sharing tips and resources and things to help you overcome your own Unlimited Horizons. Today, joining me on the podcast, I have Jen Messer, who's a career strategist and coach with over a decade of experience in the staffing industry. Jen's a speaker, podcaster, and director of national accounts. She's an advocate for supporting the parent workforce and is working to drive change in the way companies hire, retain, and value their talent. She also leads her company's family's ERG and enjoys speaking, conducting workshops and webinars for companies looking to improve their hiring process while also coaching candidates on job search strategies so they can find fulfillment, balance, and success. She's a fifth generation Floridian. (laughs) dog lover and toddler mom who loves the outdoors and helping people feel fulfilled in both their personal and professional lives. Jen, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here today. Well, thank you so much. And I'm so excited to be here. I'm, I'm really looking forward to recording this episode with you. Awesome. So tell us a little bit on, on your journey, how, how you ended up where you are as director of national accounts, but also tie in to the career strategist and coach work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, interestingly enough, I started my career, uh, professional career, I would say while I was in college interning uh, back in, you know, 2006, 2007, I think was my first internship. Um, I graduated uh, in 2008, the same you know, timeframe of the great recession and the great market crash. I was working my first job in finance at the time and, uh, you know, realized that I, I wasn't really cut out for that market. I'd majored in public relations, but I kind of took the first job that was available to me, uh, because, you know, jobs were, were scarce and getting scarce at the time. Um, I stuck it out there for a couple of years, but my uh, then boyfriend, now husband, uh, was in the staffing industry and I saw what he was doing for work. And even though we were in a recession, he was making a, a great impact in people's lives by helping them find jobs. And so we have several big companies here that do staffing. And I didn't want to work at the same company as him. Uh, so I decided to go to a bigger company with benefits and um, more of a, a upward career track, so to say. Um, and he worked for a very small boutique firm. So I kind of landed in, in the staffing world, not knowing much about it other than what um, I had seen my my then boyfriend, now husband doing. And it was interesting because I got into it. I started recruiting, um, you know, helping people get jobs for a few years. And then I got into the sales side of things, doing account management. Uh, and then I realized like, Hey, you know, we're, we're coming out of the recession a little bit. You know, I feel like I, I never really used my degree. I'm not really doing what I, you know, thought I would be doing. I don't think anyone in staffing thinks they're going to be doing staffing when they grow up. Um, so I decided to do what was kind of the the rage back in 2015. I feel like there was a lot of, you know, turn your 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 passion into a, a into profit and um find your passion and make money doing that and 
I was really into health and fitness, still am, um, and decided to quit my corporate job and got this wild idea to open up my own fitness business. The, the goal was to open up our own gym. We bought the franchise rights. We were going to, you know, go down that track. And of course, um, you know, I, I decided to walk away from that after giving it a go for a couple of years, because I really realized that, you know, at the end of the day, I liked the lifestyle that I had achieved for myself previously of, of you know, a uh, steady income and benefits and not, um, you know, I'm all about hustling, but there was a different type of hustle and yep. to re- recoup what my income was, was probably going to take me another five years. And I was at a point in my life where my husband and I were married at that point. We had a mortgage. We wanted to start a family and, you know, just looking long-term at what, what I valued. Um, I, I decided to swallow my ego and go back to my old company. And luckily I'd left on really good terms. And, um, my boss had actually reached out to me a couple of times, like saying, Hey, the seats, you know, still yours if you ever want to come back. And, and so I did. And what was interesting is going on that, that entrepreneurial route. I feel like I really did learn a lot of tough life lessons, but really valuable life lessons. And it helped set me up for success because I came back to my job two years later, triple and quadrupled my income, uh, was able to receive multiple promotions. Now I am helping to drive change within my company and I lead up our, our, one of our employee resource groups, uh, for our DEI initiatives. And, I lead a team and I feel like I'm just making a larger impact than I ever imagined for myself. And I found joy in my career, which I didn't have before. And I didn't have that perspective, but it's interesting about how you can change your view of, of things and where you're at in your life, but, you know, giving something a try and then not being afraid to pivot when things don't necessarily work out. So I kind of refer to that stage of my career you know, kind of like my mid-career identity crisis. I was, you know, I love that. Well, I love, <laughs> I love the, you gave it a go, right? It's you, you've, you had this, this idea and you went with it, but you also gave yourself the the grace to adjust when you realized, Hey, you know what, this isn't this, when I, when I assess where I'm at and where I want to be, this is not filling everything. So let's, let's reassess. Right. And was that, was that an easy decision for you? Was it a challenging decision? Like what was the what was kind of the weight in terms of balancing all the different inputs when you decide to walk away from it? It was really challenging. I mean, it was challenging first to walk away from my steady corporate job. You know, I had family members are like, what the heck is Jen doing? She's got this four-year degree, the stable career. She's doing all the right things. She's checking all the boxes in her life to be a successful business person. And um, now all of a sudden she's going to go open up a gym and, you know, do fitness online. Like what, what is this? <laughs> like we know she's always into working out and does like the fitness competitions, but you know, why is she doing that? So I had, there was a lot of internal conflict to leave initially. And then there was also the internal conflict to come back of, you know, people are going to think I'm a quitter or they're going to think I, you know, failed or I didn't make it. But the thing is, is I don't consider any of it failures. I consider it life lessons. And, you know, I really had to listen to myself. Like what was, what was pulling me? What was in my gut? And at the point I left my corporate career, you know, initially in my gut, I knew I was doing the right thing. Like it felt good in my body and it felt good for a a while. But then when it started to not feel good, I was trying to evaluate, like, does, 
is this just because I'm, you know, afraid of where I'm going or, you know, trying to really make the decision of this is, is this really the lifestyle that I want? But then I realized like, you know, this is, this, my life is my palette. You know, I can create whatever I want out of it. And if I go back and things don't work out or, you know, it ends up being the same that it was before, who's to say that I can't make the change. And that's the thing is not being afraid to make the change and just listening to myself and tuning out other people. I think that was, that was the biggest thing is, you know, trying to not pay attention to what everyone else was saying and Mm -hmm. just making sure I had my blinders on to do what I knew was right. And then just giving myself the grace to really adjust and adapt as my life changed because you enter different life stages and, and your goals change inevitably, like whatever you say you're going to do in 10 years, I guarantee you're probably not going to end up wanting that same thing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think there's so much truth to that. And I think we see this a lot nowadays with employees really valuing corporate culture and benefits. And it's it's not just showing up for a paycheck, but it's really showing up to feel supported and really showing up to, to be excited about something. Um, so I'd love your, your thoughts on for, for anybody listening who feels like, oh, maybe it's time for a change. Maybe I'm like, whether it's a mid-career identity crisis, as you said, or you just don't feel like you're in the right place anymore. Um, what are some steps you can take to make sure that like, it's not, we're not just saying, oh, you know what? I had a bad day. I need to make a change. Like, right. What, how do we make sure that we're making the right decision? Because if you, if you're leaving a corporate job or you're opening a business or you're making a career change, those are really big changes and there's a lot to consider. So what, what kind of steps do you, do you recommend somebody takes there? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you really take some time. Like don't, don't make any rash moves. I feel like people can jump ship too soon. And then they realize they're in, you know, a worse situation than they were before. They were better off where they were. So I'd say the biggest thing is take some time to really think about it and, you know, find people that you can talk about it with. I wouldn't say run your idea past everyone, but you have your core group of people that you can lean on who, you know, aren't going to judge you no matter what decision you make and who may be good at giving you really sound advice. And sometimes those people aren't necessarily your friends or family members, but maybe they're, you know, colleagues that you've had throughout the years or that old friend from college. And, you know, I would say that's one of the big things is, you know, making sure you're taking some time to really evaluate and then make sure you're asking yourself the right questions. Like, why do I want to leave? Is this a culture thing? Is this a money thing? Is this a lifestyle thing? Are you just burnt out because you're overworked on a certain project and you could do something else within in your organization. Um, and I always say explore opportunities internally first before jumping ship, because you never know what's available to you internally. And I, I think that's a, a big thing that, you know, leaders within companies can do a better job of as well to really identify when people are at risk of leaving. So I think, you know, we hear a lot about quiet quitting right now. That's a, a yeah. big hot, hot word of people like checked out and they're one foot out the door. I think that's always been around, but I think people are talking about it a little bit more now. Um, I think there's also, you know, a trend right now around, you know, finding your purpose, you know, like initially when I left, it was, you know, follow your passion. Now it's finding your purpose and your work. And I think there's things that employers can do if they take the time to get to know their employees on an individual level to set them up for success to where they feel like they're valued at work, where they're seen at work, where they're heard at work, where they're working on things that give them joy and light them up 
and give them that purpose to what they're doing. So there's always opportunities, but it's making sure you can have that conversation. And if you don't feel like you have the leadership support where you're currently at, are there others in your organization that you can develop relationships with and talk to and bounce ideas office off of and, you know, explore internally. But I would say exhaust all your avenues first before jumping ship, because there's also going to be that learning curve. And then you also have to think about the other factors of who all it's going to impact. You know, do you have kids? Do you have a, you know, a partner? Do you have, you know, a aging family member that you're going to have to take care of or or, um, you know, other obligations. And then also this looming fear of us going into another recession. So, you know, where is the security that you have? And do you have enough, you know, if things don't work out to be able to carry yourself for, you know, six months, if it takes you that long to find another opportunity. Right. Right. I want to circle back to something you said about leaders supporting their employees through these, through these pivotal life stages. Right. Because I think that I can think of many times throughout my own life where I've had things going on at home that weren't necessarily, my boss didn't necessarily know about them. Right. And then there's other things like having babies or a a sick parent, or like there's, there's bigger things, but what, what do you suggest? Like, can you give a couple of specific examples of things that leaders can do to make sure that they are supporting employees and, and kind of creating this environment where I can show up and say, Hey, you know what? I'm not, I'm not feeling this anymore. What other opportunities might exist? Like, I think some specific examples there would be helpful. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a, a, a great topic and something we could really dive deep on as well, because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things where you, you really have to get to know the employee and it's not something that's going to happen in one conversation. It's going to be, you know, building trust over time. I think Brene Brown talks about it in a lot of her books, you know, the, the marble jar, like, you know, a lot of times we've got this jar full of marbles where people drop them in every time they build trust with them, but it takes one time of, you know, talking about that person behind their back or to the wrong person or saying something that offends them or sits with them incorrectly. And then, all those marbles get taken out of that jar and then there's no trust left there. So I think it's something that starts, you know, really from the onboarding process of someone to your team or your company of getting to know them as an individual. And one of the, I think, blessings of uh, the pandemic is the fact that with remote work, we got to see behind the curtain of what a lot of people were dealing with. So luckily it's less manufactured in the work environment as it was two and a half years ago, uh, and more humanized at that point. So we understand like people have kids and complete competing obligations or or they, you know, have, you know, ill family members, or, um, you know, they have family members with disabilities that they're taking care of and need to get to different appointments. And so I, I think it's a matter of understanding where your employees are at and what they need. And that doesn't necessarily start with having a business conversation. It starts with having a relationship with them and getting to know them as an individual. So making sure you're not diving straight into business on every meeting. Like if you're having a one-on-one, you know, ask them, you know, what's going on with their kids at school, you know, did they figure out, you know, which gymnastics to sign them up for or, you know, whatever the case may be. And they'll start to open up to you a little bit more and then feel more comfortable coming to you when things happen at different life stages. And I think what's important is also having a a track for them if something does come up. So I think one of the initiatives that we're, you know, my boss and I are actually pushing 
for is to, to help people through different life stages within our own company of, you know, what happens, you know, if you have a kid and you can't go back full time, you know, or is there part-time opportunities or different projects they can be allocated to, or what happens if they have an ill family member and they need to take six months to move in and take care of them. And that's going to be a big pool on their time, but they don't want to give up their job completely completely. So I I think it's really understanding that and then creating ways that people can still stay involved and connected and where they won't feel like their performance is impacted by that as well. Because I think there's this heaviness that comes along with feeling like you're not producing or maybe, you know, your mind's being pulled to your, your kid that's, you know, at school, you know, the week after he broke his ankle and, you know, you're worried that he's going to get hurt on the playground again, or kids are going to make fun of him because he's in a cast. And, you know, so I think it's one of those things of, you know, just evaluating where they're at and what they need in that moment. And it comes down to knowing who that, who that person is and what they need. Absolutely. And I think as leaders, that's, that's really important that, that you own that responsibility of, of building trust with your team, right? It's up to you to, to create that path to trust, um, and to the openness of conversations. I think I, when you were talking, I, I had this memory come back of this was probably my son's eight. This was probably like six, seven years ago. And I remember meeting this mom who had also had three kids and we were trying to make plans. She's like, oh, well, I work on Mondays and Tuesdays and half day Wednesdays. We're going to take a quick break to talk about the International Association of Women. We talk a lot about the challenges women face, and we know that the best way to overcome challenges is with a supportive community by your side. The International Association of Women is here to support you throughout your professional journey. No matter where you're at in your career or business, IAW has the resources, tools, programming, and events to help you make progress towards your goals. This includes frequent networking events where you can show up authentically and share your ask with the community, a resource library filled with eBooks and templates, and monthly workshops and webinars that are geared towards helping you maximize your potential. Visit www.iawomen.com to learn more about the IAW community and how IAW will help you fast track your success. All right, let's get back to the show. How, how do you, how? And she's like, oh, I have a job share. I like when I was ready to have kids, I still wanted to work. And so we worked out a program where I do a job share and two of us split the same role. And I was like, that is fascinating. Why doesn't that exist for more people? It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I, and I know that it's not just as easy as saying, okay, we're going to reduce you to part to 20 hours and somebody else is going to do 20 hours and we're going to work this out. I know that there's a lot of logistics and and stuff to, to work out with that. But I thought if more companies did things like this, it would allow at this point, I was, I was, I had just had my third kid. I was trying to figure out going back into the workforce. And I'm like, how do I do this? <laughs> and it just, it just felt like, oh man, like that's, that's a perfect opportunity. And I think that when you have employees who already know the culture, they already know the organization, give them those paths to be successful because when they're ready to be back at a hundred percent, they're coming back to you. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love that too. And that's one of the things, you know, that I was struggling with. I I only have the one son, but when I came back from maternity leave, you know, I, I was, you know, curious how I was going to be able to manage a full-time sales role when I was used to being in the office from seven to seven every day and, you know, on call for clients and, you know, making sure that things were running smoothly because, you know, I was in a service-based industry and, I, I will say, I think for, for me personally, you know, 
COVID saved me from leaving the workforce because mm-hmm. I was able to transfer to doing my job online and, you know, working remotely and my productivity quadrupled. So it, it, it was interesting what happened and, you know, the fact that I feel very blessed and very lucky that my career was able to take off like that. And I was able to perform, but the stressor of having to commute 45 minutes each way was taken out of the picture. And I wasn't having to drop my son off with a complete stranger at daycare at 7am to get home and spend 30 minutes with him before I had to put him down for for bedtime. Uh, You know, because there's that level of guilt that comes along with, okay, I'm not there as a mom and I'm not there as an employee. And I want to make sure that I'm showing up as both because I know I can do both, but how am I going to do both? And it's right. You know, it's a way to, to be able to cater to your, your population to keep them in the workforce. Well, I think that you mentioned the, the impact that COVID had on so many people. And I think moms, especially, right. There's a lot more transparency of who we really are at home. And it doesn't mean that you have to show up on zoom with your full mess in the background. Right. I like, I often tell people my, my zoom box is very curated. Like there's, there's, we angle ourselves so that you don't necessarily see everything going on in my house, but people know I have three kids. I have a dog, I have a cat. And those, those five things are very uncontrollable. At times. <laughs> and so you just never know, but I think it also, it allows us to create those relationships and connections because suddenly it's like, Oh, you have a dog. I have a dog too. Let's talk about dogs for two minutes. Like, and it just suddenly it's like a marble in a jar. Right. And, and so I've seen while COVID had massive impacts on some people's careers and in, in some ways it has helped women in this mindset of we can figure this out right? We don't have to be everywhere at once and we can have a career and, and work it out based on our own circumstances. Exactly. And I, I feel like it also comes down to making sure you establish and keep those boundaries as well, because even though we're on zoom and you know we're working from home, we can still have, you know, meetings upon meetings upon meetings. And then you look up and it's three o'clock in the afternoon. You haven't stepped away to eat lunch or do anything to reset. Like you're talking to me, Jen. Yes. yes. (laughs) (laughs) That is is very true. I think that the, you do have to, you have to be really mindful of your own boundaries and, and really set schedules that are there, that are going to help you be balanced from all angles. I just talked about work-life balance on Facebook live this morning and said, it's, it's hard, right? I'm, I'm somebody who's connected all the time. I'm constantly on, but I have to be really intentional about when I'm not on because time with my kids is very important. Time exercising is very important. I have to remember to eat lunch every day. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. All yeah. those self-care things. And I think, you know, I think a lot of us were very lucky in the fact that we were able to figure out how, how to pivot and, you know, uh, find some sort of work-life balance, even though I don't really think there's truly a thing of work-life balance. I don't, feel the scales I like always tipping it's, integration. Yeah. It's, it's always tipping one way or what, one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you have to reel yourself back in, but there's also a lot of women that weren't so lucky and they ended up leaving the workforce. And we've, we've seen that, especially as companies are returning to office now of, you know, we've gotten used to this lifestyle of being able to be, uh, active and present parent. And, you know, the, the cost of childcare has risen and, you know, our, our salaries keeping up with that to entice the the female workforce to go back or the working parent workforce, because we're seeing more dads stay at home too. So we've lost a lot of 
good people, you know, due to just constraints within the pandemic, but you know, how do we, how do we get them reengaged and bring them back and also help close that gender pay gap, which has been exasperated by all of this. So there's, there's so many things that have come out positive and then also negative at the same time from the pandemic. And it's, it's a balance. So I also think leaders have to evaluate like where their company is at and what, what they're struggling with and how to, how can they adapt and attract the right people given, you know, their certain situation and circumstances. And I think it comes down to, you know, taking a deep dive of your teams, your culture, and and how can you improve? Because there's a lot of really good people that are not in the workforce right now that should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they Absolutely. want to be. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things that you said you wanted to offer up as a tip to our listeners, success looks different for everyone at different life stages. It's important to recognize that and make sure you are evaluating your goals, often defining what success looks like for you, celebrating your wins along the way, making sure you have boundaries around what's important to you to achieve that success and being flexible because your picture of success may change may change venture on this journey. And I, I love this because I think as we talk about the things that we see post pandemic, right. And the, the careers that have been impacted and it, I think it's really important for women, especially to, to look at where you're at now and what, what does success look like for you right now in this moment today? Not what you thought it was going to be 15 years ago when you got your degree or not when you stepped into your new role two years ago, but at this point in your life with everything, you know, and everything you have, what does success look like? And and don't be afraid to change what, what that needs to be for you. Exactly. And I think the, the way I was able to give myself grace in that area, because it's something that I struggled with, you know, I was very, I'm, I'm a, I'm an overachiever by nature. And when Mm -hmm. I set my mind to something, I'm going to go 210% full steam ahead and I'm going to achieve it. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that's not always the best way because you may get down that path and you may realize that things are not aligning the way you thought they would, or it's not something that's giving you the lifestyle that you wanted, or you're just not enjoying it. And so I think it really depends upon where you're at in your life. You know, what I wanted in my twenties is completely different than I wanted in my thirties. And it's probably going to change in my forties too. It will trust me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I just turned 37 last week actually. And it's funny because when I'm like thinking back to even who I was three or four years ago, I'm like, I'm completely different and I have an amazing life. It's nothing what I pictured that it would be, but I'm, I'm so, I'm so happy with it. And, you know, now I'm kind of reevaluating and looking at, okay, you know, do I need to reset some boundaries going into next year? And where do I want to, where do I want to go, you know, with my professional life, with my personal life and, you know, with my family. And I think that really changes because as we, we start families, as, you know, situations change, you know, it's going to look completely different and you don't know until you're in that moment. And I think one of the things that someone once told me is when I was making the decision to go back into my corporate job was you have to do what's right for you right now. Mm -hmm. And it was my neighbor who told me that. And, um, she was a single mom of two kids who owned her own yoga studio and, you know, she was doing just fine for herself. And she's like, if it works for you right now, that's right. She's like, it's going to change. And she's like, you just have to do what makes sense for you. And I felt this sense of relief when she told me that because no one had given me that permission. 
permission before. And so now, you know, I try to give that permission to other people. And I also try to remind myself that I have the permission to do what's right for me right now and make the changes when I'm ready. But I do a lot of reflection before I make that decision and make that leap to make sure I'm not jumping the gun and just making an emotionally charged one. Right. Absolutely. Well, for our, all of our listeners, you now have permission. You have to do what's right for you right now. I think that is so spot on. Definitely take the time to assess where you're at and what you need and, and why you're feeling this, this push towards change, but you have permission. It's your own life. Go own it. Right. You get to, you get to set yourself up for whatever life you want. And at the end of the day, it's you, you're responsible. So exactly. Well, Jen, I love this conversation. Um, as we wrap up here for our listeners, you can find Jen on LinkedIn. You can find her on her website at jenmester.net. She also has her very own podcast and you can find her there as well. All of these links will be in our show notes so you can go reach out and connect directly. Jen, as we wrap up, any, any last minute things you want to share here? Well, I just want to say thank you so much again for having me on the podcast. And I hope that anyone listening to this, if you're going through your own, um, you know, mid-career identity crisis, or you're looking for that purpose or trying to follow your passion, you know, take a step back and, you know, really just evaluate what's going to make you happy in the long run. Because at the end of the day, it's not going to be, you know, the accolades that people remember us for. And, you know, for me, I know the biggest thing is I just want to look back on my life and know that I was happy for the most part. And, you know, I want that to be carried down to my, my children and for them to be happy as well. So if it's not making you happy, evaluate what will make you happy and how to make those changes. And if those pivots take you a little bit longer than, than expected, it's totally fine. You know, you, you give yourself the permission to take the time that you need to make the right moves. Absolutely. Such a great way to, to end this episode. Thank you so much. Thanks to everyone for listening. Check back next week, Monday. We'll have a new episode for you. Jen, it was great speaking for with you today. Thank you so much for your time. And I hope you all have a great day. Thank you for listening to Unlimited Horizons, a podcast hosted by the International Association of Women. If you would like more information about our community, visit our website at www.iawomen.com.